Hello and welcome back to How to Save the World podcast. My name is Tim Bat. I am a lowly, silly comedian in New Zealand who's trying to figure out what steps to take environmentally to make the biggest impact without changing my whole entire life. I'm joined by someone of an expert in this field, Waveney Worth. Somewhat. I yeah. don't like that. I mean, I'm not going for official expert. That's why I said somewhat. Yeah, somewhat. Take the edge I off. like it. It's good. Just the everyday person, somewhat. You went zero waste for a whole year. That's that's something. That's not every day, is it? It's like exactly. a bit weird. What are we <laughs> talking about this episode, Waveney? Um, we are talking about fair trade, Tim. Oh, good. Mm. I think it's a good EA, fair it trade. It is a really good one, yeah. And we've got with us, sitting nicely in the corner, we've got Pravin Swarmy, Business Development Manager and Spokesperson for Fair Trade New Zealand, sitting with us. Thank you. Uh, hi, guys. It's nice to be here. Hey, Pravin. Thanks for joining us, mate. Pleased so to have good. you in the studio. Cool. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. good to have you here. Um, you, Your role's taken you all over the world, eh? And um, you've done lots of speaking throughout australasia and yeah heaps of audiences yeah i've been my i suppose my main role at fair trade is really around in the market trying to support businesses and communities that want to nice. engage with fair trade and, and make the switch nice have and you I'm, ever like been speaking somewhere and they say right let's have a break and then they they take you off and and it's just like regular biscuits and tea and coffee and <laughs> Yeah, there was there was uh, there's been a few times like that actually, especially in the early days. And did think, people realise and give you that look of like well, horror? There was this one time that we were uh, we had a producer over from uh, Papua New Guinea as well, so we were taking them around the country visiting uh, lots of local sort of communities, schools, and churches and places, and talking about fair trade. And we got to this one place, I think it's down in um, Christchurch, that area, and they were saying, oh, you know, come in, a huge big crowd, we did a big speech, and everyone was like, yeah, we're going to go fair trade, we're going to get into it. Yeah. And then we went out for a break, and, you know, it was uh, biscuits and uh, instant coffee, and uh, not very nice instant coffee, and not fair, definitely not fair trade. And we're just standing there like, okay, we've got we've to chat, we've got we to bring our product <laughs> with us next it, time, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, it's, yeah. A, it's such a good example, though, of the sort of cognitive dissonance a lot of people have, though, right? Where you yeah. go like, yeah, absolutely. You, you see a maybe a documentary or an ad on TV or some campaign, you're like, yeah, absolutely. And then, boom, yeah, it's just so out of your of head so much immediately. Of it. Yeah. And I, th- I think that's so true, and especially when you're in the, in the supermarket and you're going around doing your shopping. It is just go, go, go. You've got to get in there. You've got 20 minutes. You're running off with the kids or whatever. You've got other things going on that you're just going into automatic pilot a lot of the time. And it's trying to get people just to take that additional second just to, to remember mm, mm, what they mm, learned or know mm, about fair trade or mm, organics, or whatever mm, it is, mm. and just make that conscious switch in the, in that environment. And uh, that is the that is the challenge. It's the mission. It's yeah. The mission. One thing I used to think about fair trade was that it was like oh it's okay for like coffee and tea but it's it's such a small like you can't get a lot of fair trade stuff and what about the other 90 percent of it but i like i was just thinking about like today so far like tim let's run this by you too have you had a coffee today yes i'm drinking one right now have you had tea uh no because you don't drink tea have you had a banana i have um what else are you wearing cotton yes interesting eh? and i'd have to answer yes for all of that too but i'm the other way around with the tea and the coffee I'm a tea girl. So zoom that out a little bit. So it, is it in all likelihood I'm probably like well because you actually the offered cu- uh, Pravin a coffee before yeah. just before we got going and I was like oh is it fair trade is it is your coffee fair trade I don't think so. it's Cafe Lafare. No, yeah, oh, no, it wouldn't no. be. But you see, yeah, you see, and I, I think there are, and 
that's the thing with fair trade it is about you know those kind of key things that we use every day and uh actually just going back to that point i was saying about the the church groups and you know after after we did that sort of those events and after we started realizing we've got to take our our stuff with us yeah yeah yeah, we always take take products with us to share or to have and so that's why today i actually even brought you guys some uh fair trade chocolate Um, what a winner so you've got a got a mint chocolate here and a toasted hazelnut so yeah um Oh my goodness! We'll we'll rip into that in a second. Uh, what were they again? Uh, mint chocolate and oh, uh, mint chocolate always and, and to- toasted hazelnut. And this this is from a little chocolate company down, called Benetto down in the Christchurch. Really great, great chocolate. Amazing yeah. and great packaging. I and great say. packaging Lovely too. Packaging. Yeah. Before we go too far down the road, is it worth maybe? I would love for myself to find out what exactly is fair trade. What does it mean? Yeah, 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 sure. How does it operate? I mean, fair trade is, it is. I think a lot of people, when they think about fair trade, they think about, you know, prices and sustainable price or fair prices for farmers. And that's that's kind of part of what fair trade's about. We work with smallholder farmers predominantly uh, that, that grow the products that we, you know, we like, we enjoy eating and drinking every day. Things like coffee, cocoa, bananas, sugar, cotton was mentioned, all of those kind of agricultural commodities. And for the most part, those commodities aren't grown in New Zealand. They're grown offshore. So we want to make sure that, you know, those farmers in their communities, they're, they're being treated fairly and getting a, a fair price. But in addition to the fair price, there is, there's also other aspects of sustainability that we address around the environment. Uh, and we enable all of that, the social and the environmental sustainability, to be achieved through a fair price. You can't expect, you can't expect a community or, or, or anyone to to go go full hog and, and be sustainable without investing in them to enable them to do that. And that's kind of what, what fair trade does. Yeah, I like yeah. that because I was thinking about us consumers in the West is that is probably the number one thing people will say. It's like, oh, I can't afford it. It's like, wow, man, if we're saying that, how can you expect a farmer, you yeah. know, that's on $2 a day or something to be able to afford to be sustainable? And, and when we're talking about uh, fair trade, we're not asking people to, you know, spending heaps more and and, and often it's not even more than a conventional product because you know the companies choose to absorb the additional cost and not pass it on to the consumer but you know for the farmer it's just it's a small bit that ensures that the prices that they get cover their costs of sustainable production uh, and that there's a another additional component which is called the, the fair trade premium which is like an additional sum of money that the so if it's a coffee coffee community or coffee farmers they will come together they'll have an agm They'll have this collected fair trade premium from their fair trade sales, and they will decide what what to invest that in as a community. Wow! And that could be that could be initiatives around their businesses, um, you know, improving how they how they run their businesses, transition to organic, for example. They'll work around maybe initiatives in the community if it's healthcare and education for their children, or investing in 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 the future. So, is, does a, that operate a little bit differently depending on where you go, or is the money always held effectively in trust so that the fair trade farmers can get together and the, make a decision? Yeah, the model of fair trade is about um, it's about transparent supply chain from where the product where you see the blue and green fair trade mark on the product. That's your assurance that it's gone through that fully transparent supply chain. Mm. Our role as fair trade is not to dictate to farmers what to spend their fair trade premium on. It's just to enable them to have the right structure to be democratically organized, which has many benefits for the community. Uh, You know, enables them to sell their product on better terms as well. Uh, And and then in addition to that, we're just ensuring that when they get their premiums that they're sitting down in an AGM, in a cooperative 
as a cooperative in an AGM, they'll have their AGM and they'll they'll put forward ideas that they want to spend their premium on. They'll vote on it and then those will get carried through. And we're just there to make sure that that happens. Awesome. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And you work for the for Fair Trade, the organisation, because I guess it's probably worth noting what is the organisation that is called Fair Trade New Zealand. Yeah, so and what it's is like the yeah. principle of Fair Trade. Yeah, so there's, yeah, good call. Yeah, yeah. so there's the there's the concepts and the principles or the philosophy of Fair Trade, uh, and then there's the organisation us as, as Fair Trade. We're a kind of a member organisation of many different um, national Fair Trade offices, uh, and we're Fair Trade Australia New Zealand. Uh, and then we've got sort of uh, offices in in the producer producing areas, looking after the producers as well. So as a as a collective of all of these offices, we're either supporting, pushing fair trade in the market, or supporting f- fair trade producers in in origin. That's so cool. Yeah. What I love about this is like it is it's a big shortcut. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, like you're walking around the supermarket, you're around the shops, and there's there's just there's so many components of buying a product you want to keep an eye on. It's mm. like mm. you know the sustainability thing: is the farmer getting a fair price? Is is this being met? Mm. Is the it community is a big being looked after? It? It's like oh, it's got that sticker on it, yeah, so I yeah. like can just is that certification? It's so, it's such you a know good system. I I reckon like because I'm always I'm always saying that consumers are really powerful, and as I think of consumers as like the like the queen sitting on top of it all controlling the kingdom because you know if we don't buy it they don't make it so we drive the entire thing but I was thinking about it a bit more and just thinking about this this episode and I was like really I do I do agree with myself that's good (laughs) but it's actually more like we are a blinded queen sitting in a bank vault like it's just like <laughs> this metaphor just got so complex Next level. okay walk me through well, it well it's just like sure you might be uh, genuinely the one that can call the shots and dictate what happens out there but you don't have visibility of it yes you're mm. completely blinded just and because you want to act in a certain way doesn't mean you've got the ability to well no no uh, no you don't you no, you do have the ability but because that's what i mean about the, this is i've just realized it. i thought it was really i thought it was gold but it's complex <laughs> just walk me through it sometimes it takes me a moment or two Let's to just keep calm everyone <laughs> get through the analogy a, a blinded queen in a bank vault right <laughs> i did say okay because it's like she's still the queen she she still has the power doesn't gotcha. matter if whether you can see or not you've still got the power hour um so i'm not making any concession there that it's just around that um we have the power but we we can't see what's going on oh it's her bank vault sure yeah <laughs> i hadn't yeah so what i'm what i'm meaning is that it's like you're saying uh uh fair trade's a great shortcut in the supermarket it's kind of like it's an opportunity when you can't see what's going on let's say if it doesn't have that certification on it what mm. do you call it like regular conventional what do you call it yeah if it if it's just a, a conventional product yeah, or conventional. if there's another ethical claim uh, okay. tagged to something yeah you, you should know. rebrand that you should call stuff that isn't fair trade bad bad <laughs> trade products yeah. there's fair trade products and there's bad trade products okay. yeah <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> i imagine mr fair trade can't make an official statement yeah private's not allowed to take <laughs> no, my no. silly playing, suggestions playing nice back to the bank. but it's like so it's an opportunity for us as consumers where sure we have the power but we don't know what's going on so it's mm. an opportunity to sort of take that blindfold off and go okay sure i don't know what's going on with all of these products but this is the only one where i can see where i do know what's going on and and yeah and, and to your point there wave i think it's which is kind of a couple of things what we always say at fair trade is you know we're here to you know to 
to do the homework for you. That, that's yeah. our role as fair trade, you know. Because I hate homework. Everyone hates homework, right? Homework. And you don't want companies to be doing their own homework. No. You know, you want someone someone independent to be checking I've it. Always, I've always so, been like, like looking yeah. for life hacks with sustainability. You cannot ask a consumer to sit in a supermarket with their phone no, out researching. No Trying to, yeah. yeah. And that that's not going to happen. So for us, it's about, you know, giving, giving consumers that assurance. So mm. that's been done. Mm. And for us also is like, you know, we open ourselves up to scrutiny as well. So there's been hundreds of studies that have been done on fair trade by, you know, different academic institutes and research institutes. And, you know, from time to time we sit there and we go through all of this, hundreds, hundreds mm. of re- bits of research and work out how can we improve what we're doing? Mm. What, what things are working mm. within fair trade? What things need improving? Mm. Can you share anything that's been identified that has had to change? From, oh, from there's been things thing? like we... I think some of the things around how we work as initially when we started it's fair trade it was it was led very much by the consumer markets driving what what fair trade should look like and over the last sort of four or five years probably five years now we've transitioned to a model where you know the producers are actually sitting on our international board Great. and they're part owners of the fair trade system so they're driving the agenda oh, wow. awesome and that's kind of one of those things that you know comes up in the research is saying how do you empower the producers voice even more yeah you know not just that within their community but also at a at an international level how do you how do you open the you know the opportunities to them and that's one of the things that we took those kind of recommendations on and you know different things that have come back to us and you know we, we move forward and, and and on balance all the, the kind of research when we do sort of periodic reviews of all the research that's out there uh, we find on balance, you know, fair trade is is still, you know, really highly regarded, and mm. and, and it's doing what it's setting out, and to it's do. doing what it's setting out to do, and it's and and improving as we go. Yeah. Along. Actually, yeah. on that, I was looking at the Wikipedia fair trade article, and which is enormous, by the way, it's it's the biggest one I've ever seen, and at the top there's this little recommendation that says perhaps we could split this one up, <laughs> <laughs> but it's um anyway right at the top it says and i just wanted your comment on this Pravin, um mm. bringing it back to the links between fair trade and sustainability uh, buying products from producers in developing countries at a fair price is a more effective and efficient way of promoting sustainable development than traditional charity and aid mm. Do, mm. do you agree with that you think they've got that right i think it's a very it's what what i what i like about fair trade and i think this is what 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 speaks to what you're what you're saying there, what you've identified on Wikipedia is that, you know, fair trade is about empowering the producer. You know, it's not us going. We're not going in and saying to the producer, okay, you need this, this, and this project, and here's the money. We'll give it to you, and you know, or we'll implement it for you. We want the ideas to come from the producers. We want them to enable them to see what needs to be done in their communities to achieve sustainability and to help them on that journey. But it needs to come from them because when when they're on board and they're invested, that's when you know those those investments that they make have durable long-term outcomes. Okay, so what you know? you're saying is that we're saying that they're basically saying for a consumer to buy, fair trade is more effective uh, than traditional charity and aid. And you're saying... Yes, that's true because when you buy fair trade, you're empowering the farmers to make those choices themselves. Mm. Uh, there's there's always a role for 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 aid and charity of course, because yeah. there's always there's yeah. always needs that go above and beyond. You know, yeah, the day to day, and what the market can provide. Yeah, yeah, there's disaster yeah. relief. There's all of these kind of things <laughs> where you know charity plays a very important role. Um, but we're, what we're talking about is we're talking about changing the un- underlying way that we do trade. And, and yep. you know, re, 
readdress the balance in there, ensure that the farmer has more of a say in that, more power within that within the trading system. Because I think what your average person might, may not realise is if they've just gone off and bought themselves a conventional chocolate bar. Bad trade. Bad trade. Carvin's not allowed to say it, but we're allowed <laughs> yeah, to say it. Yeah, we can say it. Unfair trade. Not not fair trade. Yeah. Um, so you've just got, like, you just popped, you know, you've filled your car up with petrol and you've just wandered in and you've grabbed yourself a chocolate bar and, and, then, yeah. and then you think to yourself, oh, look, I might... Um, donate to the Save the Elephants Fund or whatever, and you're not seeing that actually those two things are in, uh, what's that word? Tension with each other, you know, that they're, they're kind of almost opposed, those two actions are almost opposing each other. And that goes back to that sort of blindfolded thing where we can't see the consequence of that action. So do you want to talk us through what some of those implications might be. I know that we can't say this is definitely what's happening when you buy a, a conventional chocolate bar, but do you want to talk us through sort of on average, what, mm. are, what, what are you releasing with that action? What's happening overseas when you actually just buy your regular conventional chocolate bar? Yeah, and I, let, let's talk about maybe chocolate as we're talking about chocolate. That's obviously the, the thing that's very close to many people's hearts and, oh, yes. and, and, and stomachs. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for us in, in, in Coco, when we, we started, it was all a really, you know, shocking stuff that's happening. 70, 70% of the cocoa that we consume comes from West Africa, from, from Ghana and Ivory Coast. And in those, in those communities, in those countries, there is um, a, lot of, a lot of challenges around um, child labor predominantly. Um, I think it was back in 2010. There was a, uh, a, a an expose, a documentary that you know went into into Ghana and you know found instances of you know trafficked labour and child labour being used on, on 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 farms to produce cocoa, because the the value that the farmers were getting um, from from harvesting the cocoa themselves was not sustainable. So they had to find ways to you know make it work, and and, and unfortunately one of those one of the, the ways you do that the shortcuts are you you bring in cheaper labor and but then it was really you know it was traffic labor and forced labor that was happening and there so were, you're saying this is this is this was back in 2010 in in ghana okay. yep. and there were two senators in the u.s um i think harkin and engel two u.s senators and they they came they saw this documentary and they went about setting up a, a protocol with the uh with the cocoa industry in, in the u.s to to eliminate and to you know force the companies to take action to make sure there's no child labor in their supply chains and everyone kind of signed up to this it was a voluntary and symbolic protocol and everyone signed up this was back in 2010 and from 2010 they've revisited it a number of times to see how they're making progress against that uh, and then i think it was back in 2015 i think they went back out to origin and they did more surveys and you know worked through the analysis to see what's happened and what they'd seen is that child labor had actually gone up wow so, so from from about 1.8 million children working in 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 cocoa yeah. in those in those countries to 2.2 2. how, how did that what happened what went so wrong what happened well the industry just have demand like as in we're just eating more chocolate now and it could be that but it's also what's what's what is also happening is that the underlying issue of yeah. you know farmers sustainable incomes and livelihoods has not been addressed so it so, was these senators were sort of setting out um a bunch of voluntary rules to say, hey, don't do this, but there was kind of no like reward for following it. There was no incentive no. to actually. It was all it's all voluntary, but it. but the, I suppose the stick in all of that was, you know, they would f- 
moved to to enforce or enact legislation sure. to put that into force. But there was but nothing being happened. provided to the farmers to actually go, you know, you've got these cocoa farms which are not highly profitable the way they're running at the moment to the point where you're sort of trafficking human beings to work in them. But yeah, we're not going to provide relying. any more resources to you, but we need you to give us more chocolate practices. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's that kind of thing. How do you enable people to change when you're not, Un, you know you're not addressing the underlying issues yeah. you know and so for us with fair trade we're you know we go in and we'll audit cocoa farms that's part of what we do and you know where we find if we find instances of you know child labor we we move swiftly to ensure that you know the children are safe in those situations we take them out we make sure they get the right support and then we work on a program to actually educate and train the farmers to you know change those practices but then we also make sure that we're ensuring that there's, you know, fair prices and, and premiums and, and, and yeah. schools and education and, and, and access to services to enable those communities to have choices that don't rely on their children going off and working in the farms, so that they can yeah. actually go to school. They can, you know, they can have different, different outcomes in life. It's like buying fair trade is an opportunity to align your purchases with your values. Hmm. It's for for us the markets. It's a certification mark, but it represents. It's a development model. It's a tool of, for development in in these communities. You know, mm. um, yeah, sustainable development as well. Can you give like um, a bit of a broad picture of in two thousand nineteen, how much of the stuff that would be on our supermarket shelves is fair trade versus not? Like, ha- is this a tiny slither that is seeking oh, and getting yeah. the certification or? We- since I started, when I started, this is about 12, 13 years ago, doing fair trade. Was kind of, I was in there on day two. So pretty much, you know, what we had at that time was a little bit of uh, coffee. And I think we sold in the first year maybe 200,000 kilos of, of fair in, trade. In New Zealand. In New Zealand, yeah. Uh, and from that, you know, year on year, we've built the awareness of the fair trade mark going from about 20% up to now. It's about 78% recognition amongst amongst Kiwis. Uh, and also the sales of fair trade have grown and it's not it's gone from cocoa uh, from coffee to cocoa to bananas tea um and uh, and then cotton products as well uh, and we estimate i think it was last year's probably in excess of 110 million dollars in in retail sales so that if you're looking on your coffee if you're going in the supermarket looking on your coffee shelf you've been maybe between 10 and 15% of the brands will there'll be fair trade options in there mm. on average another big thing i've noticed as a consumer is that it's shifted where it is you know physically you know how you it used to be like yeah. right at the bottom where your ankles were in the happy and, aisle yeah. yeah you'd have to like really go and look for it yeah yeah and uh now it, it maybe it depends where you shop a bit too but um there is often right at eye height yeah uh, some fair trade options and that and that's kind of what we're trying to we're, we're about mainstreaming this, the concept of fair trade making mm. it accessible to everyone because that's where you can really make a lot of impact for producers as well mm. through the premiums and those kind of things i was talking about mm. i'm not sure how much you'll be able to answer this question because it's obviously going to be a bit biased being from fair trade but mm. are there companies who are doing a good job in spite of not seeking or having the certification they've kind of got other ways of other models of, of yeah of doing their own sustainability yeah I'm, I'm sure there are you know um i think if i try and take my fair trade hat off you know if you are a consumer and you're you're supporting other companies that are doing their own versions of sustainability just maybe ask yourself the questions of you know how are the how are the farmers benefiting from this this uh, transaction you know what what evidence or proof are they providing us you know 
Because it's so easy to tell a story. It really mm. is. It's like, like a- anyone can make a spin. Like, you've got some general sort of principles. It might be, um, you know, a nice brown paper bag looking product or uh, putting the word green in your title or natural or it's just or local. And then you can just throw in some adjectives. And I, I can't tell the difference myself half the time. And, and, and yeah. you know, they run off, take a few a few pictures of some happy farmers whatever and you yeah, know they've yeah. they've they've told they've painted a, a story so for it's you pretty diff- i it's think pretty, it's pretty difficult to as a consumer to tell the difference between yeah. something legit and just someone who's gone look i don't want to change my basic business model but i really do <coughs> want this section of the market so i'm just gonna tell do, her do something tell yeah. her tell her you know say that we've given and you know legit stuff like maybe give give some funds to a local school so some of the local children can go to school yeah. um but it doesn't change any baseline ba- issues. underlying yeah, issues yeah. so i'm um, you know and i'm all i'm all up for for companies doing more because that's kind of what what we want to also achieve mm, in fair trade mm. is you know it's about shifting everyone's mm. ways of working mm. you know um but yeah i mean even for me like when i sit and I, I look at websites and what companies are doing i have to it takes me time to work through work it out what, and you're what, an what expert a, yeah. Not like well, a somewhat yeah. one, yeah. but like a yeah. real one. Yeah, well, I try to be. Well, maybe I'm a somewhat. <laughs> Isn't that a somewhat. Yeah, inspiring? I'm a wannabe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's that is that is the reality, and it's yeah. it does take time, you know. And so it's like it's a like really good question, Tim, because it's like I really want to encourage those businesses that are on that journey too. And of course, there's so much that people can do without um, sort of getting over an official line. It's like the eggs thing. When I did, back when I was eating eggs, the, yeah. the whole thing of free range free is range. so hard and to determine. Mm. I always what, look for the SPCA tick, but I don't even know good, what. Yeah, that I think is. that's that's a you know that's that's a yeah, good mark to look I, for. I and I think it's that it's quite quite interesting because you know when I started you know doing this, like fair trade was a, a relatively unheard of concept. You know, Kiwis didn't really get it, but broadly around ethical and you know sustainable consumption there wasn't really a lot going on and well, it was in the last 10 years in the last 10 yeah, years so much has happened and so much has changed and i think you know companies are rushing to you know do things in this in this space and i think it and the law and the regulation hasn't kind of is, is catching up you know it's always mm. one step behind yep. what's happening in the market and i think that does lead 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 it to being these kind of situations where you've got you know the risks of you know is that free is that a free range of natural or, or what does natural mean yeah yeah organic things, i mean oh, organically grown that's right was it organic certified yeah apparently they're just bringing out um some yeah. legislation around legislation the word organic, organic that you know, you know. Uh, in europe it's 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 way we're you know 20 30 years yeah. ahead in that yeah. in that regard so there's they're quite stringent around the, the legislation oh europe are? yeah like they've got rules around rules around this so yeah what you can use what ethical claims you can make or and or environmental claims and you must be able to substantiate them in you know so what we're right. coming down to probably wherever you are in the world but particularly in new zealand based on what you've just said then uh it, certification is the big like not the adjectives or the the look of the mm. packaging but um it's, you, it's, it's a, something that's really genuine uh, and, and just to tack on to that do you think there's some certifications that exist as a bit of a um a bit of a rot 
Like, are there some who are taking the piss? Um, I mean, there's, there are, even within certification marks, there's been a huge proliferation of those as well. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's hundreds well, and hundreds of them. This is the point where people just weep. Just yeah. give well, it's up. Quite, it's, it's quite like oh, yeah, cat and yeah. mouse, right? Because yeah. if, if consumers are like, oh, okay, cool. So <clears throat> third-party certification is the thing that or will help me. Or even, or even marks that look like their certification. Oh, I was right. just about and to say even, that. Some of the, that. They just, it's yeah. like the company themselves has actually just Making made up a little star thing yeah. that they've chucked on. But I mean, it's not that it's, it's not that hard in some regards because you've got your fair trade certification and organic certification and this like biogrow certification. Those would be the three. Yeah. And, I, and then, I, you know, you can add to that as you get more proficient, but yeah. it's like you could just uh, make that start. And and for us as, as fair trade and also, also organics as well, there's like, there's umbrella organizations for organic, which is iPhone. So, you know, they kind of keep all the uh, organic certification bodies to a, an international sort of standard and benchmark. And even within, we, you know, our certification is around a, a kind of sustainability and sustainable development sort of certification. So even within what we do, there are others that are all part of ISIL, which is a kind of an international organization of standard setters. So, so we, they stuck with that name, huh? ISIL, yeah. It's kind of, kind of <laughs> well, we've got it now. We've got it now. But, you know, what they do is they're there to, to, to make sure that all of the certification labels are, you know, maintaining their sure their standards and their transparency and their openness so they they hold us to account as well so so you know we yeah so there's a lot of governing bodies sort of keeping checks and balances on everyone yeah. else keeping everyone accountable yeah. that it's yeah. it's all on the yeah. up and up but you know yeah you're right though there, there is there is a proliferation of labels out there. and i think just consumers just need to be just that little bit more aware of mm. that kind of stuff mm. in yeah. the interest of um of some conclusion to the the awful story before about west africa is there any positive news now like in the fact that there was a there was an increase in child laborers who are working on those plantations yeah yeah is, is there any indication now that that information is out there that maybe that's uh yeah yeah i mean i think the doesn't uh, sound like it <laughs> no 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 there has there has been some 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 progress in that space uh the world cocoa foundation which represents a lot of the uh the international sort of coffee the, the coffee uh, cocoa chocolate brands, companies and yeah. big brands um they kind of come together and they recognize that that's one issue that's happening in, in cocoa but the other one is deforestation because there's a lot of deforestation to kind of grow cocoa as people kind of move off into other areas and encroaching on these you know reserved mm. national parks and all this kind of stuff so they really want to put a stop to that and try they're pushing to kind of get companies to be more sustainable as well they've got different initiatives that they're working on uh, and we've been talking to them about you know the need for uh, living incomes you know what is and, and we did a review of our own sort of pricing structure to make sure that we're kind of keeping current with what's required right uh, for producers and we kind of we're realizing that we need we've got sustainable pricing but we wanted to go to kind of living incomes you know move to that that mm. next level mm. to ensure that you know the household has a has a living income mm. so for us we're kind of talking about like we're here and we need to raise our raise our fair trade minimum prices and our premiums by x amount over and do you know how to years. do that without losing consumers because it suddenly becomes that much more expensive yeah it's it's it has to be a it has to be a conversation and you can't just suddenly enforce yeah. that in the next day because you'll lose consumers and you'll lose companies as well because like, it's a huge price hike that yeah. you know need to happen but you need to kind of have start having the conversations keep and applying the pressure to keep applying the pressure educating and, and sharing that, yeah that it's, information. It's, i think it's conversations yeah. like this that take it from like oh that's a nice thing that you're doing uh to oh i hadn't realized if i'm not doing that then yeah. actually i'm you know party to all this 
crazy mm. stuff that doesn't align with my values. That's me right now, sitting yeah. in this chair talking to you guys. Mean, I'm like, brother. oh man, I, okay, I need and to I'll, change my shops a little yeah. bit. And ultimately, what we what we say with Fair Trade, but we're not asking consumers, you know, to pay a whole lot more. It's very often if if there is anything you pay a little bit, it's it's a fraction more, and that can make a huge difference because when you're talking about the volume, it becomes a huge huge impact at origin. Here's a question as well. Mm. Because I, I, as we're talking, I'm just like mentally going through my grocery shop. <laughs> yeah. Going, okay, which products? Does the fair trade certification apply to just like certain foods? So, for example, we've mentioned sort of bananas is a big one and sugar and cocoa and coffee and tea, I'm assuming, yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, so like, for example, this is kind of a niche one, but uh, there's the stuff I eat now because I've gone vegan, um, which I'm not sure if it's 100% vegan, but it's called corn. It's made of corn. It's spelt with a Q. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like yep. Process it so it kind of tastes like meat. Yeah. So it sort of tastes like mints. Um, but uh, for these weird sort of other products that aren't quite like huge mass market, you know, top traded commodity style mm. of product, should those sorts of products also be seeking fair trade certification or is this really just for super widely traded goods uh, uh those are the ones that i've mentioned are the ones the, the kind of the big ones in fair trade uh but we have a whole list of standards that apply to lots of different products and uh, what, what's what's corn corn's made, made of, of corn i swear to say yeah it's, yeah, it's yeah, made okay. of corn and they they've got some process that they've patented i think that they put it through so right. that it, but they, they process it up and it um yeah, it makes the consistency of like mints, and then if you add a bunch of herbs to it, you can kind of get away with thinking <laughs> thinking it's, <laughs> it's meat. actually meat. Yeah, <laughs> really good in spag bowl. Yeah, there you go. I have to have to give that a go. But I mean, yeah, just we we do have a whole bunch of standards that cover different kind of commodities. Uh, but our focus is always around developing countries. Yeah, and because where's corn grown? Not necessarily and the it might, tropics. It might be here. Yeah. It might be yeah. here, or it yeah. might be from the US or somewhere like that. So, sure. so that probably would, wouldn't be. Oh, that's an interesting. Okay, yeah. so I didn't realize that as well. So th- these are commodities that have been grown in developing nations. That's the yeah, whole and then there's yeah. that correlation yeah. between developing and tropical. Yeah, and and for us, the reason why we focus on the developing countries because they're the, those farmers. They often don't have the um, the kind of government support or the infrastructure. Sure. That 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 could be there to protect them or support them they need another they need big they need something they need something else yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. and that's what fair trade can can help them with is does does the fair trade organization that you're part of have a goal to basically like take over the world as it were to like shift eventually sort of everything to this i think i think always like within fair trade the aspiration is to to make ourselves redundant yeah ultimately you know that everyone's doing the right thing by producers and there is no need for fair trade. That's always the aspiration, but you know we still got a long way to go. I mean, how how is it progressing? Like in real terms, you, you mentioned before that there's year on year there's definitely progress that you're seeing that the numbers of you know fair trade chocolate yeah. per kg in New Zealand's going up and up. But how, like how how good is the rate of change? How how fast is how it going? How hopeful are you? How hopeful? Yeah, be yeah. honest. Yeah, I think like in in sort of I think in. Um, for cocoa, like in West Africa, I think maybe about five or seven percent of all cocoa is uh, is fair trade at the moment, which is small. Mm. Uh, but you know, we're hopeful that we can continue to grow that. Because you're going in the right direction, right? Yeah, the, you, yeah. In terms of your size, it's it's actually rapid expansion and growth. It's been it's been good growth, you know, yeah. since the last 20, 20 to thirty years that yeah. we've been doing. But yeah, we just need to kind of continue to find ways to. Also, it's also about adapting to the the issues as well, because not only is it the fundamental issue of price, 
that that affects farmers because you know they're, they're kind of tied to international market prices which fluctuate and that they're not in control of so you know they may for a coffee farmer they may start off at the beginning of the year grow their crop knowing or investing x amount of money into to doing that and then at the end of the year when they come to harvest and sell the coffee the international market prices dropped below the cost of production you know so that's that's the, the key thing that's always always there uh, and that's there again in coffee at the moment because the international price has dropped right down but then there's also other issues there's climate which is affecting a lot of producers coffee in particular you know mm. um the coffee coffee plants are very susceptible to small changes in 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 temperature so even like a, a two to three degree change can completely decimate a crop Ooh, climate change world without coffee and yeah, we did a report on this. So this is part of the advocacy that we try and do is we, we pulled, pulled together a lot of research and did a report on, on, on coffee and climate. And you know, the key outcome was, I think by 20, uh, 2050, if we carry on the way we're going, there'll be no coffee. It'll be extinct. There'll be no coffee. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that made the headlines. That was the, that was the well, thing that got everyone going, oh, all yeah. right. Yeah. You know, and then we got, there was a bit of news that got kind of got generated from that. Hey, what well, was yeah, your attention? News, yeah. There was also hey. 2 million child workers on the farms. Yeah. 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 Well, In terms of how far it can go, uh, Europe's doing pretty well, right? Like, I've heard that some very conventional, like, say, for example, Kit Kat, just, just their standard mm. Kit Kat bar over there's got the We Fair Trade certification on it because that's what consumers demanded. Yeah. I yeah. don't know how widespread that is, but, like, we're not there yet. But to know that sort of... On, you know, we reacted hugely to the because we've talked about this in, in another episode, yeah. but the whole Cadbury episode with the palm oil thing. Yeah, they got. Uh, uh, I'm not like defending a, a company that you know has bad practices or anything, but they really got singled out by New Zealanders, and it became a big sort of media mm. story for a long time, and I think really hurt them as a as a company. Yeah. So like that gives me hope in a way that if we can find the right buttons to push, New Zealand does have a desire to do the right thing and I think so. I think consumers I think, yeah. do want I think Kiwis do uh intuitively have that kind of sense of a giving someone a fair go you know yeah. that's kind of in, in the Kiwi sort of mindset and way of things I've come to learn being a being an English guy you know coming over here 15 years ago and kind of getting my head around it all but I do I do feel that Kiwis do genuinely want to do the right thing and give people mm. a fair go it's just kind mm. of giving them the tools to to enable them to do that um, but yeah, I mean, just to your point on on on, um, on cocoa and cocoa companies, you know, a lot of them are are you know, especially in the light of everything that's in happening in West Africa, making bolder commitments around you know sustainable sourcing, which is a great start, and you know, hopefully we can help those companies be part of that solution. Mm. Uh, so that's for us is a big one, and also looking at you know the new emerging markets of where where will coffee be consumed and cocoa be consumed, and it's all in the Asian countries, which you know historically went into sugary treats and drunk tea are now looking at coffee and chocolate and everything else like the rest of the world so you know what can we do in those markets to ensure that you know that there's a growing class a middle class in those those markets as well that will be prepared to to pay to mm. do the right thing do, do you get a sense if they're like culturally receptive to yeah those sorts yeah. of principles of fairness and and like we have in new zealand as you mentioned sort of giving people a fair go in there is it i take it it's probably not everywhere in the world is exactly the same in that regard. It's like quite, in these emerging markets in yeah. Asia, are they? It's quite interesting because I was reading a bit of market research on China, actually, and uh, a lot of the uh, consumers there are buying things online. That they, they do a lot of shopping online, and they will actually take the time to research those companies online and 
you know check out what's behind those companies and what mm. they do so they 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 are more especially the the affluent sort of middle class they're more tuned into that and they do want you know they see a lot of environmental impacts in their own sort of communities and cities and stuff and they want to to do the right thing they they they're inspired to to change well, make, is, there change. A, is there a country in particular do you think that's been like the most positively affected by the fair trade regime is there like a real success story out there of a particular nation or do you reason? mean on the consumer side or the producer the, side the, the producer, producer side. side yeah we um i would say like in in a lot of the sort of latin american countries they they're doing a lot of coffee and that's kind of where the model of fair trade started and the the concepts of i all think it was the guatemalan farmers where you know there was a priest in in Europe who went over to Latin America and he saw this community of of farmers who went who were working and not getting paid a lot. So he decided to bring their coffee back to Europe, you know, repackage it and put his own label on there, and say, look, I've paid them a fair price. And that the whole concept of fair trade kind of started there. And they've always been, um, yeah, they've they've embraced it. It's, it's spread a lot wider in in, the, in that region. I don't know. I wouldn't say if there was one particular country I could single out, but they benefit a lot from coffee. And what's sold as, as fair trade, and also bananas as well. Guatemala is yeah. interesting for that because I've been lost in this Wikipedia hole for a, a few times over the years. But the like CIA coup where they mm. took over Guatemala on behalf of like was it the United Fruit Company? Oh what? Yeah. yeah, yeah. They like staged a coup against the democratically elected leader because he wanted to basically nationalise the the banana trade, wow. and they're like we're not having it, so they deposed him and installed a new guy so they could keep their cheap priced bananas coming into the states wow. and that, so like yeah and it was in the 50s i think and and you know yeah, I, think the, bar, I think the u.s have had a had influence in a lot of those kind of central latin american and that's the whole concept of you know banana republics that's where all that kind of kind of comes about yeah and just quickly to um sort of round off and at least you know, you've got some stuff you want to throw in at the end as well um we we end every episode getting some quick tips but like i'm really interested just in your personal journey to working for this organization oh, yeah, like yeah. how did how did that come about uh, well, it's a personal thing, actually, because I'm originally, although I sound like I am from the UK, because I've got an English accent, but originally I'm from uh, Mauritius, my, my parents are, and um, my my family background is around uh, sugar sugar farming, so we were kind of smallholder sugarcane farmers, so, you know, from, from the stories I've heard from my great-grandfather, grandfather, that's, they've been passed down, I know all about the hardships of, you know, what it takes to... Wow, to that's grow, so direct. Yeah, it's yeah. just like one generation. Uh, that was it. Yeah, so my father was actually working in the sugarcane fields when he was a kid. Wow, he'd go to school and then go and help out on the on the family family farms, um, and he would tell all the stories of you know what, what had passed before. So I grew up in the UK, so I didn't didn't see that firsthand, but uh, you know, it stayed with me. And I thought, well, you know, what can I do to to change that? And then while I was growing up at school, and this this concept of fair trade started to come out and uh, did my university studies and thought all right I've got to go and find something in that field and yeah mm. so have you been working in this field your sort of entire adult life since you got out of uni uh I studied international uh, uh, business, uh management science so quite quite a commercial from a commercial perspective but it plays quite nicely into what the kind of conversations I have with with commercial companies here, you can um, talk the the business talk. Uh, yeah, try and try and frame it up in a in a way that kind of speaks to what they want to want to achieve as well, what sure. the shared objectives are. Uh, but then I, I, you know, I finished my university studies and I travelled a bit around Europe, and that's where I met my wife, who was a Kiwi, who brought me out here. Ah, now it's uh, making sense. Yeah, <laughs> and 
and I was I was doing a bit of sort of volunteer work for fair trade organisations in Europe, uh, and then also uh, I was a, I was a teaching at uh, at a university as well, so a bit of bit of something completely different. But then I I came here and the fair trade office had literally just opened. It was like a few months before and meant to be meant to uh, you know I was from the UK. I knew a bit about what had, what had been before, mm. so. And there were a lot of English people actually working at Fairtrade in, in the beginning. It's right. changed a lot now. It's more. It's a lot of Kiwis it's now. It's the test of time. Yeah, I've stood the test of time. I'm, I'm glad yeah. they're locally sourcing the people now as well. Yes, we are. We are. Locally sourcing. <laughs> it's good to hear. Um, Pravin, what I'm interested in is um, what you would say to our listeners who perhaps aren't buying Fairtrade right now. Yeah. But after listening to this, are considering it. Let's, for example, let's call that listener Tim. Just, you yeah, know, just, for example. It's a generic Tim name. Tim, Tim I, I'd, I'd say to Tim, you know, expand your, uh, your uh, the foods you eat to beyond vegan a little bit. No, no, no. no <laughs> vegan's fine. Vegan's fine. <laughs> no problem with vegan. But com- complement it with fair trade bananas, you know, coffee, uh, tea, chocolate. Uh, those are the ones that you can always do in, in your weekly shop. Those are the quick wins. Those are the quick wins. Uh, and if you want to go a bit further, go and look for sort of... I mean, I, I also encourage when it comes to clothes and things. I, mm. I, I do a bit of, you know, op shopping from time to time. I like to do it. And I don't go out shopping that often. But, you know, you can also look for sort of fair trade organic clothing as well. Uh, will we find the label on the clothes? Yeah. Yep. You, you do yeah, You just see the fair trade logo. It'll be stitched in, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we've got a few brands also on our website. We've got a few brands that do oh, that. Oh, we check you out online. Yeah. What's your but, website? Um, fairtrade.org.nz. Great. Yeah, check that out. But so, yeah, I just, you know, I say go out and just do that. Look in your workplaces as well. See what you can do at work. See if you can get them to change some of those key things at work as well. And if, they, if you don't see something or you've got a brand that you love, just... Write to them, or you know, give give them a little nudge and and tell them to to, mm. to that you're you're keen on fair trade because consumer power is really consumer pressure is really powerful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it really is. Yeah. I just noticed the fantastic uh, fair trade chocolate you brought in is vegan. There you go. There uh-huh. you go. It says it right there Happy on the pack, days. so I can actually eat it. It that's, was meant to be. That's incredible. It was meant to be. And just to really beat <laughs> people over the head with with it, because we always like to leave them on. You know, what is the one action you can take away from this? The logo is very identifiable. It is a black square. It says fair trade at the bottom, and it's got a green and blue. a blue sort of. Yeah, we, we, there. we call him the. It's like a yin yang, but it's the. It's like a. It's a waving farmer. It's yeah, kind of waving it. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. And if you don't, you probably know what it looks like already. But if you don't, just go to fairtrade.org.nz and you'll see it. And then look for that in your supermarket. I certainly will from now on because this has been a good, good guilt trip job. for me, <laughs> which is what you need from time to time. Um, it's fantastic. Thank you so much for coming in and, and no worries, to us absolute, about this absolute pleasure, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. Thanks, Cheers. Cheers.